0: Well hello everyone and you join us here today because we've been wondering what the best watches of 2022 are. Well, here they are. Well hello Tom, how are you doing today? Very well, thank you. Are you feeling in a positive mood?
1: I'm feeling in a retrospective kind of mood. I always get like this at the end of the year. (laughs) I'm often wondering, what were the best
0: things that came out this year? That's good news. If I pick eight watches that I think were the best of 2022 and you pick seven, we'd have 15. Are you up for it? Oh, that sounds like a round number. (laughs) Well, here it is then. The top 15 watches of 2022, according to us idiots. I'm going to start off with one, Tom, that we didn't get to talk about at the time, but I really want to throw some real light on it. This is the Omega Speedmaster Chrono Chime. Remember how Rolex did absolutely nothing of note this year? Hang on, I don't know how you can say
1: that. There's like the green and then the left-handed and then the extra
0: five. It's just loads of stuff. So (laughs) I don't credit noodling, to be honest. Fair enough. And in the other camp, in the Omega camp, you've got them... With the Speedmaster, adding not just a chiming complication, but a chronograph chiming complication, the first of its kind, blowing all our puny little minds all up the wall. What more can you possibly want from a watchmaker in this day and age? Yeah, incredible. And looks very lavish in its Sedna gold there. It certainly is. Well done, Omega. You thoroughly deserve all the praise for this. And it's probably nice, after you got forced at gunpoint to make the uh, moon swatch in conjunction with swatch, it's probably nice to show what you can really do.
1: (laughs) Yeah, don't want those plastic boys holding you back. Well, anyway, from one hunk of sparkly, sparkly gold to another one, this is the Vacheron Constantin Historiques 222. Mm -hmm. A true icon of the 70s. It's a silky gold integrated bracelet bracelet type watch fair that we're all very familiar with i think it's a really cool fun watch it's got a nice sporty feel but still being you know all gold and sporty it's quite a difficult needle to thread but i think vacheron's done it really well it's a, it's a really cool watch
0: they certainly did they tom cruised their way through that needle with bells on how about this tom what bulgari oh yeah They've been at it with the thinnest watches in the world for a number of different categories and they came at it again for just the thinnest watch in the world, period. With the Octo Finissimo, uh, 1.8 millimeters thick. You can see all the juicy innards in there. They came up with some really clever ways to use the crown on its side and the winding on its side to get that extra thickness. Bit of a shame about the QR code, but otherwise, I just love that they're pushing this technology. It's a completely useless thing. It's like... It's like seeing how high you can fire a bottle rocket. No one needs to. We've got actual rockets now, but I'm so glad they did this.
1: Yeah, it's it's an extraordinary feat. Yeah, a really nice surprise for 2022 to have, you know, a record-breaking watch come out. And Bulgari were very, very happy with that record, I think, for for the several months that they held it. Oh. The QR code takes you to the uh, Richard Mill page now, I think. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha Right. What about the Tudor Black Bay Pro? Mm -hmm. This is a fun little watch, isn't it? Yeah. It's just doing its thing in a reasonable size at a reasonable price. Slightly under £3,000 on a NATO strap, this is just a cool little GMT watch. It's got kind of vintage stylings about it. It's unfussy. It's got a sort of faded orange GMT hand, which is quite nice.
0: What I really like about it is that even though Rolex seems to have just wandered off into the distance, at least it's still left something behind for the enthusiasts. It's not We've not been completely abandoned. They've gone like, we know that you like the vintage stuff and you don't like the shiny stuff as much, so here's a vintage one at a reasonable price. With all of the bells and whistles, that's for you.
1: Yeah, yeah, this is your everyday, no-nonsense watch for any occasion. Um, maybe not black tie,
0: but who cares about that? <laughs> <laughs> it's a great piece. It's certainly not big and flashy but I don't know it's just it's just right isn't it Talking of big and flashy at the complete other end of the scale, you've got MB&F with the LM Sequential Evo, where they took one chronograph, another chronograph, smushed them together, and then after the fact, found about five different reasons for making it in the first place. I really, really like that. I liked the difficulty of having two chronographs running at the same time, having that interconnectivity. Them just making it work just because, and then they're like, oh, hello, you can do this with it, and you can do that with it as well. It's just like, the, the mentality of... It's like taking something apart just to see what's inside it. And then when you've got it all in pieces, realising, why did I do that? It's just an engineer's mindset. It's just the, the feeding curiosity in the best way. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Um, I've heard it said that simplicity is complexity resolved, and I feel like there's a little bit of this going on there, even though it looks ridiculously complicated and it's probably solving a problem that no one really needed solving. but at the same time it's like remarkably simple. You've just got these two chronographs that you can switch on and off and they interact and um, and engage in different ways that you can just use to for various kind of timing needs. Um, and it's just a really cool fun watch. And remarkably clever as well. Absolutely. So from one remarkably clever and complicated watch to another, this is the Grand Seiko Kodo Constant Force Tourbillon. This is Grand Seiko's first mechanical complication that they released this year, early on in the year, and arguably probably one of the finest watches they've ever released. Uh, the watch features an innovative combination of tourbillon with a constant force mechanism. Now I could get into how all that stuff works, but mm. we haven't got time. Yeah. But the the combination of those two things gives you absolutely mental accuracy. And it's, as you can see, it's all open worked and it's all finished to that extremely high level that Grand Seiko is famous for.
0: And this watch in particular is just a really high watermark for them. So really exciting to see. I think Kodo in Japanese means heartbeat, but I'd like it to mean inception. Because when you look at the tourbillon, there's these cages within cages within cages of things that are going around. And the more you look in, the more you realize it goes all the way down. Yeah. Talking of watches that make your mind melt, um, I remember we went to see Cartier at Watches and Wonders, and they had the the usual dress pieces, the jewellery pieces, and yeah, all that that kind of typical Cartier fare. And then they came out with the mass mysterious, and everyone exploded. Mm. This is a, a watch with a movement in the rotor weight. The rotor weight goes round and winds itself. The crown stays still, the hands stay still, but it's been driven by the movement, which is free to rotate i still don't really understand it to this day i know there's like six layers of sapphire in it yeah and some witchcraft yeah but that's about as far as i've got and to be honest that's as far as i want to get because i love the mystery of it i love the brain fart that i have when i try and decipher it and can't and what a fantastic piece for cartier to be making people saying they're not a real watchmaker well look at that and tell me they're not
1: yeah it's so audacious. It's, yeah, that's one hell of a reply to any naysayers that Cartier are on a proper watchmaker. We put the movement in the movement. So how about that? <laughs> Another thing that we saw at Watches and Wonders, but I actually sort of forgot about. So this is the Jeje Le Polaris Perpetual Calendar. This is amazing. And it's a perpetual calendar complication neatly packaged inside the case of a sports watch. It's got a... Year perpetual calendar day date month and two moon phase indicators your uh, regular and then one a southern hemisphere retrograde moon phase and it's all inside a forty two millimeter diameter case and it's just ever so slightly under twelve millimeters thick and that's about t- two mil thinner than a Seiko five sports watch so it's actually incredible and you know I don't I don't usually bandy this term around but we're going to throw out the word Grail. And say that, you know, if if I were ever to win the lottery, I think I'd probably just buy this and then um,
0: drive my car into the sea and that'll be me. <laughs> Do you have that same dream of driving your car into the sea and ending it all as well? Yeah. It is a masterclass in packaging, isn't it? If Jeje Lecoult is anyone, it's someone that can engineer things incredibly well. And putting all of that into this watch without it looking OTT, still looking sporty but classy, all of those things together, it is it is a one-and-done watch for sure. Yeah, complications like that
1: can look a bit sort of classical, can't they, and a bit ornate, but
0: this just looks straight-up cool. Straight-up cool. <laughs> Talking of straight-up cool, Tom, did you see... It's not an MBNF, but it is made by Max Boussa, and he... Made the original batch in blue for all the people who'd helped him with MB&F. This is the MAD-1. Limited edition. It's It uses a cheapy movement, but the whole thing has been taken apart, rebuilt, refinished to a high standard. Very affordable. I think it was a few thousand pounds. For an MB&F type watch made by the guy that brought you those watches. It's just bonkers. The front is a rotor covered in loom that spins around. The the reading of the time is on the side. It's huge. It's thick. It's ridiculous. I want one so bad.
1: Yeah, I love it. It's awesome. The rotor weight looks like something you might get thrown at you while playing Mortal Kombat.
0: It's really cool. (laughs) Finish him. Well, it's about half past ten.
1: Lovely. Um, From some very complicated, very expensive watches to something a bit more down to earth. This is the Seiko 5 Sports GMT SKX reinterpretation. So the much celebrated return of the letters SKX um, and some sort of reinterpretation, which I can't really figure out what's been reinterpretated. Anyway, um, it's a Seiko 5 with a GMT, which is really nice. Uh, so it's got all the high visibility and bold lines and build quality that you'd expect from a Seiko 5 um, with a cool bi Hardlex coated bezel, beads of rice bracelet or Jubilee bracelet, if you if you will, loomed up hams and markers and a bright red GMT hand for all your Greenwich mean timing needs. And uh, all of that for the great price of £400, which when you think about it is pretty out of order to all the other watch brands, isn't it? <laughs>
0: Seiko's keeping it real. (laughs) Speaking of keeping it real, Tom, Patek Philippe, known for their incredibly intricate and dressy watches. All very la-dee-da and places I'm not welcome, you know? Yep. They released the 5226G Calatrava. Now, this is a watch I can get on board with. It's scruffy enough for the likes of me to wear and get away with it. It's got the, the famed, as you described it, Tarmac textured dial. So I can only assume, where Grand Seiko, they look out of the window and see beautiful mountains, Batek Philippe looks out the window and sees a motorway. Yeah, they got the car park. But nevertheless, it's just really nicely done. It's got those touches of luxury, like you should have with a Batek Philippe, all packaged up in something that feels... cash? You know, cash? Yeah, definitely. And I'm all about cash. Hmm. Too much, if anything.
1: Yeah, it's the, those warm tones as well that I find really pleasing. And I guess, I guess yeah, there's something about that that feels a bit more accessible and down to earth, isn't it? For sure. Well done, Batek. So next I'm going to talk about the Van Cleffen Arpels, Lady Arpels Floral Hours watch. It's a really, really lovely, fun watch. Um, so you read the time on it by counting the open flowers and that gives you the hours. Um, the minutes are displayed on the side, but... I don't really care about minutes with this watch because the lovely flower opening module inside is just so much fun and it makes telling the time kind of redundant. It's just nice to look at the flowers. But anyway, right, get this. I'm just going to read to you the ingredients of this watch from uh, Van and Arpels product page, right? Go on. 38mm rhodium plated 18 karat white gold case, round diamonds, rhodium plated 18 karat white gold bezel, round diamonds, white mother of pearl dial, sculpted rhodium plated 18 karat white gold, miniature painting, mother of pearl marquetry, flowers in rhodium plated 18 karat white gold, 18 karat yellow gold, round yellow diamonds, round diamonds, miniature painting, sculpted 18 karat rose gold branches, Rhodium plated 18 karat white gold crown, round diamond, shiny VCA blue interchangeable alligator bracelet, interchangeable rhodium plated 18 carat white gold pin buckle, round diamonds. Watch sold with two interchangeable straps and one interchangeable pin buckle set with diamonds. <laughs> so, to summarise, there are 424 diamonds in this watch, and that's why it
0: costs £252,000. I mean, aside from Lady Apple sounding like a euphemism, this watch is incredible. <laughs> it's to to combine something that looks so simplistic and beautiful in an artistic sense with something that's actually massively, massively complicated blows my puny little mind.
1: Yeah, it's nice. It's sort of transportative. It it stops being a watch and it's just almost kind of toy-like. It's so playful. It sort of reminded me of when I was like a six-year-old
0: girl. (laughs) Well, while you were thinking about that, I was wondering what would happen if you took a normal watch and ran it over with a steamroller. And I think Richard Meal probably wondered the same because they came out with the rmup one Rump. Um, the up, presumably, meaning up yours to Bulgari, whose record they stole, by 0.05 millimetres, if I recall. Something insanely ridiculous. Nice. This completely takes the idea of making a thin watch and turns it on its head, as you'll see from this credit card-looking thing. And people give Richard Mills some hate but I think the ability to think like this and create that watch even if it is a weird looking thing shows the real creativity and genius that goes on with these guys and I've said it once I've said a thousand times I'm all for that I love traditional watchmaking but I also love it when they go do you know what we're going to make something that is on paper a watch but when you actually look at it it's nothing like it
1: yeah, very surprising release from Reshop Mill, who are notable for their quite chunky buddies that they put out most of the time. So this is really out of the blue, wasn't it? So uh yeah, really exciting and really cool watch.
0: Sorry, Bulgari.
1: <laughs> so this is a recent release and one that tickled me greatly. This is the Hamilton Khaki Field Merv 38mm. So this is another victory for Slender Wrists. Hamilton, having listened to the consumer, has released a downsized version of their Merv Khaki field watch, and it's now smaller by 4mm to 38mm. And it may well make it the perfect watch. Do I hear adding to basket noises? (laughs) Um, I need to contemplate it a little bit further because it's £820. Hmm. But it is really nice. It's got a nice readable black dial, that cathedral hour hand and the creamy markers. It's really, really nice. Um, and a nice automatic mechanical movement inside as well. Um, so, yeah, I really like Hamilton. They can keep them coming.
0: Yeah, it's, it's great. We, we love to see all of the crazy watches, but we still want watchmakers providing good value, great watches, the kinds of stuff that people actually buy and wear. We can't all be wearing the thinnest watch in the world. So it's nice to see... Some normal watches that come at a great spec, great quality, and more importantly, as you said, that have been created as such because the manufacturers have listened to the customers. Lovely stuff. Tom, I'd like to wrap this up, if I may, with what I think is the best watch of 2022. This is a Christopher Ward. It is the C1 Belcanto. We spoke to Mike France about this. Yep, He was surprised that it was as big a winner as it was, but I don't think we were. Because it looks amazing. The build quality is fantastic. It has a really, really interesting and exotic complication in the hour strike. Everything about it all packaged together for less than the price of a Tudor Black Bay. Yeah. Unbelievable. For me, this is a bit of a game changer in the industry to show what's possible at the price, without really any compromise. And I think it opens up a whole world of possibilities for what can be achieved into 2023 and beyond.
1: Yeah, it's funny, actually, everything you were just saying about what Hamilton is offering, you know, really high specs, great build quality, something for nearly everyone to enjoy, as opposed to, you know, high complication, very exclusive limited pieces. It seems like Christopher Ward is sort of blurring those lines quite a bit with this watch. So
0: yeah, really, really exciting. Yeah, very much so. I think they've probably upset a few people with this watch. I think that's their thing though, isn't it? (laughs) It is. So there you have it, dear viewer and listener. Those are our favourite watches of 2022, but what are yours? Put your favourite in the comments below. Please do like and subscribe while you're there. Thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next time. Goodbye. Bye-bye.